Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October. It's written by Lutheran layman Dr. Stephen Saunders, professor of psychology at Marquette University. Martin Luther on Mental Health is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or learn more at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Martin Luther on Mental Health. Mental illness is obviously endemic to our times. We live in very stressful times, and a lot of the coping mechanisms, a lot of the institutions that helped us deal with it in the past are crumbling around us, one of them being the church in some respects. What about the time of the Reformation? Martin Luther was no stranger to mental illness. Many believe that he suffered from a mild form of depression himself, but did he have any particular insights into what we would call today mental illness. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to discuss Martin Luther's insights on mental illness, a beginning of a conversation with Dr. Stephen Saunders. He's clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at Marquette University, author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today. Dr. Saunders, welcome. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Does being a Christian in any way exempt someone from suffering from mental illness? No, I don't think it exempts someone from suffering mental illness. Probably it has a lot of advantages in terms of dealing with the mental illness. That is to say, if you understand Christianity properly, being, you know, if you go to church regularly, if you understand that there is a greater purpose in life than just what we're going through here. If you, again, go to church surrounded by friendly people, singing regularly and hearing about salvation, those are going to certainly help anyone with depression or anxiety or other mental illness. But in terms of keeping us from becoming mentally ill or having a mental health problem, I don't think Christianity does that. In fact, God promised us that we're going to struggle a lot as a Christian. Pick up your cross and follow me is a fairly famous promise of Jesus Christ. You say that Martin Luther was far ahead of his time in psychological insight and counsel. What do you mean by that? Modern mental health professionals, we all adhere to two really important principles, which is that the way we think about ourselves, about other people, about relationships, the way we think about things, but also how we behave, whether we isolate ourselves or whether we do things that are enjoyable with other people, whether we have loving relationships that we maintain and enjoy. The way we think, the way we behave, this is primarily what mental health professionals nowadays focus on. We have a lot of letters that Martin Luther sent to persons who were experiencing depression or anxiety, even suicidal thinking, other persons experiencing tremendous feelings of guilt. We have lots of letters. It seems like anyone who got a letter from Martin Luther kept it. So we have thousands of his letters and several hundred of them. He directly addresses the way someone 
seems to be suffering from a mental health problem, again, primarily depression and anxiety, feeling guilty about something that they've done. And Martin Luther focused on the way people think and what they're doing. He said to someone with severe depression, he said, when I went through something like that myself, I made the mistake of isolating myself. Don't do what I did. Make sure that you go out there and you talk to your friends and you you have fun and do fun things. Go hunting and writing and sing music and read to each other and even have the occasional beer. He literally gave this really good advice about how people who are depressed should behave to make themselves feel less depressed. He also had similar advice, he said to people, when you're with your friends, tell them what you're thinking and see if they agree with what you're thinking, because it's very common for people with depression or anxiety to think to themselves, I'm no good, what I've done is unforgivable, other people don't like me because I'm unlikable. And Luther tried to directly address them and say, don't listen to your own thinking. Listen to us. Don't listen to what you think about yourself. Read the Bible and confirm what the Bible says is that God loves you and you are loved. Talk to other people and ask them if the way you're thinking is proper. And so Luther, 500 years before mental health professionals started to do this, was telling people, be aware of what you're thinking. Be aware of how you're behaving. Change them so that you can help yourself with your depression, with your anxiety. What was the prevailing wisdom at Luther's time regarding mental illness? The prevailing wisdom was that we knew that there was mental illness, but primarily it was a lot of focus on the severe mental illnesses, persons with schizophrenia who were seeing things or hearing things that weren't there. And there's this long-held notion by teachers and even by some researchers that it was always attributed to demons or to witchcraft or some sort of demon possession. And further research, further investigation has shown that that's not actually true. Well, everyone believed in witches. Everyone believed in the devil. Certainly Martin Luther did. But to ascribe the cause of someone having hallucinations or delusions to witchcraft or to demon possession really didn't happen very much at all. Rather, the Church especially was pretty ahead of its time in terms of recognizing that persons with serious mental illness, they're just sufferers. They're suffering, and they need help. And so the churches were some of the first places to establish mental hospitals, for example, asylums where people could be kept safe and fed. You know, unfortunately, they got really overrun because mental illness is so prevalent. With regard to the more common mental illnesses, depression, anxiety, they largely kind of weren't recognized unless they got really severe and someone was threatening to take their own life or someone committed suicide, for example. And then it was seen sometimes as a biological, an imbalance of the humors. We had Galen's theory of the four humors, but also sometimes it was seen as, you know, that these are circumstances that are that the person is struggling with. But Luther was one of the few to actually say explicitly, you know, this is because of the way people are thinking. People think incorrectly. 
And one of the insights I had when writing the book was Luther said about his own insight into theology, he said, as soon as I realized I was reading what St. Paul wrote, as soon as I realized I was reading what he wrote incorrectly, I was thinking about what Paul wrote incorrectly. Once I started to think correctly, he said, I felt like I'd been released from hell. He had such a profound relief that, yes, he did know how to be saved, that there was a way to be saved. And I think that Luther actually applied that to mental health problems as well. His insight into incorrect thinking theologically helped him see that a lot of people with mental health problems are also thinking incorrectly again about themselves, about their own worth, about whether other people like them or not. So I think Luther's insight is invaluable. And actually, the main reason I wrote the book is we can use what Luther said to help people today. Luther wasn't a mental health professional. Most pastors don't have a degree in mental health care. Most laypersons, friends, family members, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, they're not mental health professionals, but anyone can apply what Luther applied himself, what Luther sort of discovered, wrote about, and we can do that as well. What are the current numbers on reported mental illness in our society? Research is pretty consistent. It has been for the 40 years that we've been doing these types of studies. They're called epidemiological studies. It's the study, logos, of epidemics, which is illness in a population. Epidemiological studies show that in any given year, about one in five persons will have a diagnosable mental illness, being mostly depression or anxiety, but also including autism spectrum disorder, cognitive impairment, which we used to call mental retardation, substance use problem, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. There's a lot of different types of mental illness, but in any given year, and these numbers are, we found them again and again and again, it's about one in five persons in the United States. It's about one in five children as well, especially after about age six, between age six and 17, we see about similar figures. We now are concerned because of the pandemic, because of COVID and everything that came with COVID, the shutting of schools and the the social lockdowns and just the constant fear-mongering about COVID, we see a lot more depression, anxiety, especially in our children, older children, adolescents, older adolescents. I see it a lot here on campus at Marquette University. They have yet to recover emotionally from the trauma that they went through related to COVID and how we as a society dealt with COVID. What is the stigma that surrounds mental illness? You know, it is really unfortunate. There's a lot of stigma regarding mental illness and mental health problems. The stigma kind of takes two forms. I call it weakness, badness. Probably the most common is just weak. Attributing someone who has a mental health problem that they're somehow weak. I kind of joke that somehow society looks at that person that they didn't run fast enough. They didn't outrun this anxiety problem or this depression 
they were too weak to run fast or they're too weak to fight it off somehow. And, um, you know, it's simply not true. People have a biological disposition towards mental health problems. People go through very, very serious situations in life and they just feel overwhelmed. They get overwhelmed and develop depression, anxiety. Biology explains schizophrenia, the autism spectrum disorders, it explains bipolar disorder. But nonetheless, there's this weakness notion that the person is just too weak or somehow they're bad. You know, the person with mental illness is dangerous and scary, which is a form of badness, or somehow they're being punished for the mental illness is a punishment for having done something bad, or they're just bad people and bad people should be ostracized. We should avoid them, stay away from them. Don't hire them. Don't marry them. Don't invite them to parties and things like that. So it's really unfortunate because you know, of those one in five persons sitting in our church every Sunday who have a mental illness, and by the way, their mom and dad or their loved ones, they also experience the stigma that the person is going through. They sort of, they know what others think of them, and and it's really unfortunate. And, and one of the results of stigma, of course, is that People don't talk about mental illness. They don't talk about mental health problems. They'll tell you about the treatment for cancer they're going through, but they won't tell you that the cancer diagnosis and even the treatment itself has led them to become profoundly depressed. Cancer isn't shameful, but somehow the depression is. So it's really something that we, especially the Lutherans who understand the Bible and Lutherans who understand the theology of the cross, again, Christ said, pick up your cross and follow me. Those of us who understand the theology of the cross, we reject, we should outright reject the notion that somehow persons with mental health problems, persons with mental illness are there to be avoided, and we don't want to have anything to do with them. They're not welcome. If, if, you know, okay, we'll welcome them, but just don't tell us about it. Don't talk about that. It's just we don't do that. We don't need to do that. We know better. Martin Luther knew better. And um, as Christians who understand what the Bible has said, you know, we can do better, act better. We will describe the various types of mental illness with Dr. Stephen Saunders on the other side of the break. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. In 1521, at the Diet of Worms, Martin Luther was asked to recant his writings. Luther responded, Unless I am convinced from the sacred scriptures that I am in error, I cannot and will not recant. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Will you stand with us as we proclaim these Reformation truths in the 21st century? You can take your stand by becoming a monthly or annual contributor to Issues Etc., Find out the benefits of becoming an Issues Etc. confessor, apologist, reformer, or patron on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Click the picture of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses. Help us proclaim the solas of the Reformation. Scripture, faith, 
Grace and Christ Alone, Here We Stand, Issues Etc., and You. The Gospels report Jesus saying some rather shocking things. For instance, in Luke 14, he tells his disciples, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. How can Jesus say such things? What about some of the other more difficult teachings of Scripture? Do you have questions about them? Well, we answer many of these in the October issue of The Lutheran Witness. Pick up your copy today at cph.org slash witness. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the world from a Lutheran perspective. Peace Evangelical Lutheran Church of Chehalis, Washington. Biblical, historic Christianity. Whose source is Scripture, whose heart is the Gospel. If you're in Southwest Washington, join us for the Divine Service. You will receive Jesus, crucified and risen again for the forgiveness of your sins. We promise. For more information, call us at 360-748-4108. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Equipping the priesthood of all believers, you're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Christ the King Lutheran, Billings, Montana, Good Shepherd Lutheran, Boise, Idaho, Hope Lutheran, West Jordan, Utah, Logos Lutheran, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Our Savior Lutheran, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Redeemer Lutheran, Gresham, Oregon, St. John Lutheran, Fredonia, Wisconsin, St. Paul Lutheran, Indianapolis, Indiana, Trinity Lutheran, Lebanon, Missouri, and Zion Lutheran, Imperial, Nebraska. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're talking about Martin Luther's insights on mental illness with Dr. Stephen Saunders, author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today. Dr. Saunders, describe the various types of mental illness. There are generally probably two types. There's the severe type, which are less common than the, the less severe type. The severe type probably biological schizophrenia. These are persons who have maybe hallucinations, delusions. They might lack the ability to hold on to a job or to be in relationships. Unless, of course, they go to a psychiatrist and take medications, which can help greatly with that particular mental illness, schizophrenia. There's also bipolar disorder, which we used to call manic depression. These are persons who get seriously depressed. Ever so often, they have what are called manic episodes, where they 
talk too fast, they spend money, they do reckless things, they might drive their cars too fast. Also, biological can be fairly severe, especially in the manic episode, but the depression is also pretty severe for them. Also manageable by medications. Other severe illnesses might be severe autism. These are persons on the autism spectrum disorder who have severe presentations of autism, have trouble with language, have trouble, basically are incapable of taking care of themselves. Probably 80% of all persons who have a mental illness have either depression or anxiety. Both can be very severe, incapacitating, where the person can't get out of bed in the morning, the person is afraid to leave their home, their energy level is very low, they can't sleep, they just are in such emotional distress that it's overwhelming. Probably half of persons with anxiety, depression, are able to function, force themselves, if you will, to function throughout the day. They will go to work, they will take care of their family, but they're nonetheless very, very seriously distressed. So those are the general types. There's uh, the eating disorders, there's various health-related problems as well. There's a wide variety of the mental illnesses. How did pastoral care for mental illness deteriorate after the Reformation? I document pastoral care for mental health problems in my book and how it sort of got a little bit off track. I'm of the opinion that pastors really ought to talk to parishioners about spirituality, about spiritual things, about God and salvation. And that will have a salubrious effect. People feel better when they are confronted with objective justification. Luther pastors use that term, objective justification, purposefully. But we also can contrast that to subjective, which means I feel good about my salvation. We do, that's true. But feeling good is a result of being saved. It's not proof of being saved. Again, an earlier question you had was, does Christianity prevent people from getting depressed or anxious or having mental health problems? It certainly does not. I mean, we look at the Bible and we see how fearful Abraham was, how despondent Moses got, King David, and we just, all of these these heroes of our faith, all these fathers of our faith who apparently had pretty serious emotional distress, even though Abraham, Moses, others, they talked directly to God. There's no doubt that God existed. They talked directly to him. So being a Christian really doesn't help with that. But after the Reformation, there was a movement among some pietists especially, pietist Lutherans especially, that people should not just be objectively assured of their faith, but they really ought to feel it. And we're going through this 
greatly right now the emphasis on feelings. If it feels right, do it. If you hurt my feelings by calling me a sinner, you're wrong, and you've done something wrong, and you should apologize, and you should never do that again. But we, we had a milder version of that early on, because Luther got a lot of letters from people who, the letters basically asked Luther, how do I know I can be saved? And Luther says, yeah, this is really tough, but you are saved, be assured. But there's no way to know except by knowing objective justification. But some pastors after the Reformation said that Luther didn't quite go far enough because people are still uncertain. And they said, we need to help people feel their salvation. We need to help people feel good about themselves and know that they are saved. And 50, 100, 150 years later, psychology starts to develop. And psychology starts to be applied to mental health problems because psychology is about emotions and thinking and behavior. When psychology starts to be applied to mental health problems, being distraught or anxious about being saved, we can characterize that as a mental health problem. And pastors said to themselves, and many pastors wrote about to instruct other pastors, we can use these psychological techniques to help our parishioners understand, or rather feel, not just understand, but feel that they are saved. And it got thus totally distorted. It went from being assured of our salvation to trying to be assured of our self-esteem, and we feel good about ourselves, and that's how we know God feels good about us. If we feel guilty, it's because God is displeased with us. Totally perverted, and I think that we are, and I hope that we can continue to encourage pastors to distinguish between the spiritual and the emotional. They are certainly related, but there's differences, and what pastors really ought to be focusing on is do you believe you are saved? And maybe private confession to help people understand that their sins, even their sins, are forgiven, and emphasizing what is said in the Bible about what Christ did for us and about our personal salvation through this objective work that Christ did for the world. What is spiritual care? Spiritual care is what pastors have a responsibility to do, which is to help people to understand what happens after they die, to help people to understand their relationship with God, which is manifested also, the love of God is manifested in our love for others. But the spiritual care is to understand what God has done for us and where we can find that evidence being in the Bible and preaching about it and teaching it individually. Again, spiritual care will make people feel better. At the end of a wonderful church service, like what we went through on Sunday, we sing these wonderful hymns and hear a good sermon, and in the first part of the service we confess our sins and, and are absolved of our sins, and we leave, I think most of us leave feeling better. But that's because we're saved. It's not proof of our salvation. It is 
almost a side effect, if you will. That's an important part of spiritual care, but we don't use spiritual care in order to try to help people who are depressed. We understand, rather, that people who are depressed or anxious, even though they know that they are saved. Peter Preuss wrote this wonderful book called And She Was a Christian about his wife, who was a Christian. Peter Preuss is a pastor in LCMS. His wife was a Christian, a pastor's wife, and yet she was so despondent that she ended up ending her own life. And he writes about, look, being a Christian, as Luther wrote, as others have written, as I have written, being a Christian doesn't stop us from becoming despondent. We don't want people to commit suicide, obviously. We do want people to get the professional care that they need. But there's a difference between spiritual care making us feel better. We don't use spiritual care to address mental health problems. Rather, we refer to mental health professionals when people are severely suffering. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to Issues Etc. We're discussing Martin Luther's insights on mental illness with Dr. Stephen Saunders. He's a clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at Marquette University, author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today. You'll find it at our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House and order Martin Luther on Mental Health, 1-800-325-3040, 1-800-325-3040. On the other side of the break, what is Onfectigen? You can listen to our new audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression. It's voiced by the book's author, Pastor Todd Peppercorn, and includes an introduction voiced by Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Just go to issuesetc.org, enter your email address, and we'll send you a link to the audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression. Issuesetc.org, and enter your email address. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's life ministry is thousands of people sharing Christ's love and mercy and giving witness to our Lord's creation of life, His design for marriage and the family, and the God-given value of all human life from conception to natural death. Working with many partners, LCMS Life Ministries sponsors human care efforts that meet the needs of body and soul and provides resources and educational events for all ages. To learn more, email lifeministry at lcms.org and visit lcms.org life. Your lifeline to the Lutheran worldview. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Welcome back. We're talking about Martin Luther's insight on mental illness. 
Dr. Stephen Saunders is our guest. Dr. Saunders, there's a term that Luther used, and it's often used today, describe a certain mental and spiritual state. Anfectung, what is it? Anfectung is a term that Luther used to describe his own spiritual distress. One of my favorite quotes from Luther is he's writing to his friend, colleague, Philip Melanchthon, and he starts the letter with, I am well, but my weak faith still torments me. And Fechtung is just that. It's worry about faith. It's the assaults of the devil making you doubt your faith, worrying that your faith is strong enough, worrying that you're going to lose your faith. Luther wrote a lot about it. He also, by his own admission, he didn't write enough about it. He said, if I had enough time, I'd write a whole book on Anfectung. It's spiritual distress. He said, everyone goes through it. Christians will go through it. It can be summarized as the man in the gospel says to Christ, I believe, help my unbelief. We accept both of these. We accept that what we believe is hard to believe, perhaps harder now to believe than ever. But Luther himself struggled to believe. And so Anfectung hopefully makes us go to church every Sunday, makes us open our Bibles to read, to be reassured, to be reminded. And Fechtungen helps us to reach out to our pastors and to our loved ones and to say, help me with this, help me to understand this. Luther said, it's inevitable. He said that, basically, he said, you can't be a real Christian unless you have gone through this. It is something that we struggle with. And it's not the same. It certainly can contribute to mental health problems or mental illness. I'm certain that Luther distinguished Anfectung from mental illness, although mental illness will lead people to have spiritual distress, to wonder whether God is paying attention. Does God really care? Everything that I've been through and how I'm feeling now This must be proof that God doesn't care, so mental illness can lead to spiritual distress. But also, spiritual distress, if it gets deep enough, can lead to mental health problems, maybe in particular anxiety and depression. So, pastors, mental health professionals, we need to work together. Pastors can do a lot. Laypersons, and this is the whole purpose of the book that I wrote, laypersons can advise other Christians about what they're going through with regard to depression and anxiety, just as Luther did. But if it gets bad enough, refer them to a mental health professional. I have a whole chapter on that in the book about distinguishing how bad is it and when someone does need to go talk to a mental health professional. So pastors, laypersons, I think you have permission to offer this very basic mental health advice. Mental health professionals, you do not have permission. (laughs) You simply don't have permission to talk to people about their faith because the vast majority of mental health professionals are not LCMS Lutherans and they don't understand what we believe and have no business talking about belief with people. 
How does thinking and behavior affect mental health? Thinking and behavior are really important to mental health. There's an old expression that most listeners have probably heard, which is, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Dull is actually meaning depressed. If if anyone who only works and does nothing for pleasure, after a while, they're going to feel down. They're going to feel depressed. That's more behavior. So behaviorally, what we do to keep good mental health or to help ourselves if we feel ourselves getting anxious or depressed is we reach out to others. We do fun things. It's probably the most important, it's probably one of the most powerful interventions that mental health professionals can prescribe to someone that they're talking to, which is go do fun things this week. Schedule fun things. Schedule to do something fun with your spouse, with a friend. You know, do it several times a week. Play board games. Play card games. Listen to music together. Go out for lunch. Go out to dinner with each other. Have people over. Go somewhere. Just to talk, to enjoy the, the company of others. It just makes us feel better. If we don't do those things, we put ourselves at risk of mental health problem. When Luther was under threat from the Pope and they hid him away at, at the castle at Wartburg, that's where Luther said, Luther was under stress, under pressure, obviously. And again, he wrote himself, said, at that time, I made this mistake and I isolated myself from the other people at the castle. And within a month, I was terribly depressed. So our behavior has a big impact on our mental health. By the way, exercise as well. Exercise is a type of behavior. You don't necessarily have to do that with others. Do you combine the two? Go for a walk, a long hike with a friend that's kind of doubling down on the the behavioral intervention for your anxiety or your depression because you're both exercising and you're with someone else. But just exercise is so important. And again, it doesn't have to be real fancy. You don't have to prepare for a marathon. You can just go for a walk every other day, especially in the sunshine. Helps a lot. Cognitively, the way we think about things is also very important. It's really easy for people to think incorrectly about themselves, to think that what they've done is unforgivable, to think that they're a burden to other people, to think that I'm married, even though there are these people who say I'm, they're my friend and they invite me out, they don't really like me. Or if they really knew what I was like, they wouldn't like me. And these are thoughts that are just simply wrong. They're incorrect. And we need to be aware of when we are having thoughts like this and might need to help of a mental professional to realize, no, the way that I'm thinking is not realistic. The way that I'm thinking does not reflect the reality of how other people think about me. It doesn't reflect the reality of the person that I am. Yes, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. We all say that every Sunday at the beginning of service. But we all say that. I'm not the most poor, miserable sinner. Actually, Paul said that about himself. I'm the chief of sinners. And yet Paul had his friend Timothy, he had other friends, he was beloved by many people. He probably knew that about himself, 
So as much as he went through, we might argue that surely Paul got depressed at times, but his thinking was pretty clear. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. I'm the chief of sinners, and yet I'm forgiven, and yet I am loved. I think there's plenty of evidence to suggest that Paul knew he was loved. People need to be aware that thinking greatly affects their mental health, especially depression and anxiety. And they need to be aware of how they're thinking, whether their thinking is making them depressed and anxious, and whether they can change their thinking to be more realistic to help them with their depression and anxiety. Dr. Stephen Saunders is a clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at Marquette University. He's author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today. Dr. Saunders will be back tomorrow to conclude our two-part series on Martin Luther's insight into mental health. We'll have Pastor Tom Egger lead us in a teaching on the expulsion of the Canaanites, and we'll look forward to Sunday morning according to the three-year lectionary, talking with Pastor Sean Denzer about paying taxes to Caesar in Matthew chapter 22. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.